This is the EPLOG audio experience. Welcome to the third episode of our podcast series, Salary Hike Stories. Trends and insights from Aon's 24th Salary Increase Survey. My name is Anustup and I have with me Zaitel Fernandez, partner Aon Human Capital Solutions. Thanks Anustup, it's great to be here. Zaitel, in our previous two episodes, we deep-dived into the pay increase numbers and talked about how they have largely panned out across industries and levels of management. We also looked into some key highlights from the survey. For this episode, let's deep-dive into the financial institutions industry or the FI sector as we call it. Sure. So while the overall number is around 9.1% across industries, uh, financial institutions is lower by around 60 basis points at around 8.5%. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised by that number? Not at all. Um, we've been doing this survey for about 24 years or so. Right. And historically, um, the financial services sector has always been at a discount of about 50 to 70 basis points compared to the uh, India average. So we're not at all surprised to see that it is lower. Also, we had over 100 firms that submitted in the financial services sector. So uh, we have the advantage of being able to go a little deeper into different types of financial services firms and uh, look at the variation between them. And the variation is pretty high. So the highest is at about uh, 9.9, which is the microfinance organizations. And the lowest are the investment banking organizations that came in at about uh, 8%. So wide variation, even within the financial services sector, depending on which uh, type of financial services organization you have come from. Okay. Uh, why why do you think there is a, there's so much variation within the financial institutions? So we found that um, there's two factors um, that have a large impact on it. One is um, the composition and nature of your employee population. And the second is the outlook for that particular sector. As an example, if there's a sector that's doing particularly badly, you will see that salary increase numbers come down a little over the previous years and vice versa. And I think that's not really a financial services uh, specific um, trend. It's something that we see across all sectors that we talk about. The other, that's the composition of the organization, is very different depending on the type of financial services organization you look at. So at the one end, you have the investment banking organizations. Um, They're very top heavy. There's a large proportion of the investment banking population that is VP and above, especially when you compare it to the other organizations and certainly other organizations in the FI sector. Sure. And for, therefore, the investment banks, um, they already have a senior population. They're already very well paid in comparison to some of the others. So, therefore, the average salary increase for that sector tends to be much lower. And this year, too, I think the 2019 number is at about 8%. The projection for 2020 is fairly similar. On the other hand, uh, you have the general insurance uh, sector, the the captive or the BPO sector in the banking and financial services uh, industry, and that has a very large population at the bottom. Right. So because people at the lowest level are paid much smaller amounts, even a small increase, a small rupee increase for them is a large increase when you look at it from a percentage perspective. Right. right. And that's why you have the average percentage uh, for an organization like that much higher um, than that of the investment banking organization. So we have banking captives uh, coming in at about 9.2% for last year and the projection for this year 
Whereas um, organizations like, uh, say, the general ins- insurance industry coming in at about uh, 9.8%. Sure. Well, that's an interesting take, Zaitl. Uh, you also spoke about the sectoral performance as playing a role on the overall pay increases across each of these subsectors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, can you elaborate slightly more on that? Which are the subsectors that have struggled slightly in the past year, year and a half Mm -hmm. uh, because financial institutions has actually uh, been under a lot of scrutiny in the last couple of years. Absolutely. So I think the one obvious one is the banking industry. Right. And uh, if you look at um, what the banks have projected for 2020, they're coming in at 7.9%. And for 2019, uh, they were at about 8%. They have struggled and they've struggled both from a performance perspective as well as from a regulatory perspective. There have been changes in regulations that have impacted the way they look at their business and their the outlook for the business. And, um, you know, the economy has resulted in some of their the loans going pretty, pretty bad and some an increase in provisions and so on. So, um, again, you know, not going too much into very recent developments uh, in that sector. It's difficult to justify to shareholders and to your REM committee and to your uh, board that you need to give a large salary increase. Sure. Yeah. Uh, this despite the fact that uh, many of the banks that participate in our surveys have very large retail banking operations. And so you do have a large population that is paid somewhere at the bottom of um, the salary scale. The other is uh, the NBFC sector, and that came in at about 8.7% uh, with a projection of 8.4% for 2020. Very similar uh, situation there with, um, you know, most of this sector is subprime lending. And when you think about uh, lending to the subprime sector, that is the sector that's first impacted when there's a slowdown in growth. So we saw growth numbers slowing down uh, towards the second half of last year. And therefore, we saw um, the NBFCs um, also saying that uh, they're probably going to invest much less in in, um, salaries because affordability is an issue for them. Right. For our listeners, I think there are a few technical terms that have been sure. uh, that have been used right now. Uh-huh. Um, so, would you uh, just briefly elaborate when you say NBFCs and uh, when you say subprime lending? Can you just sure. briefly elaborate what are those terms? Sure. So, if you think about uh, and the the term NBFC stands for non banking financial company. These are firms uh, that don't have banking licenses and therefore cannot take deposits. You, I right. can't open an account there and, um, you know, uh, take a passbook and, uh, and and draw checks against them. But they are firms um, that are allowed to lend to consumers. Okay. So um, these could be consumers uh, who want to take, for example, housing loans and so on, which are secured um, loans. These could be consumers who want to take unsecured loans. So, you know, my, my child is getting married. I want to take a loan um, to, to celebrate their marriage or I want to do higher education and I need a loan for that. Yeah. That is the kind of place they play in. Because these are unsecured loans, because these are uh, relatively small ticket loans, and because they are given uh, to people whose credit rating might not be uh, very high, some of them, many of them are classified as subprime, i.e. you would charge much higher rates of interest than you would charge for uh, someone with a really strong credit rating. Right, right. So so, so what you're saying is lending happens uh, broadly in similar lines to a traditional bank, but they don't get the depositors' money. Correct, yes. Yeah. Got it. Moving forward, uh, the financial institutions historically has seen 
higher pay at risk and higher pay differentiation as well as compared to most other industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it have a role to play on the pay increases as well? Yes. Um, so uh, we've seen and we've seen this across sectors in India that uh, as uh, when um, you know the country was very nascent, we saw people loading most of their salary increases into base pay. As the country matured and as salary numbers became you know, much higher than they were five or 10 or maybe 15 years ago, firms started saying, okay, we can't load more cost into fixed pay. Let's see what we can do uh, from a variable pay perspective. And so if you look at the India average number for variable pay as a percentage of total compensation, that number has been increasing. Uh, If you look at that number by sector, uh, the financial services sector is uh, among the top. And this is because the financial services sector, especially, you know, the banking, the investment banking sector, has always loaded a lot of pay into variable pay. So some part of that is driven by regulation because the regulators have said that we would expect a certain amount of pay to be variable pay. But some part of it is just, uh, you know, cost considerations. After you've reached a particular pay level, uh, you want to say, well, any additional pay that you get or a substantial portion of the additional pay that you get will come from uh, variable pay and will be performance based. And and um, is that variable pay both short term and long term in nature? Absolutely. So um, the lo- the advantage of long-term incentives is um, that it sends the message that we are interested in the long-term success of the organization. If you think about it from the perspective of what many financial services firms do, uh, they would lend money and the return of that money happens over a number of years. Right. So it uh, prevents the senior management and the firm at large from engaging in short-term behaviors that are detrimental to the long-term health of the organization and... When we think about the uh, shareholder value, most of the long-term incentives being um, in the form of stock-related instruments ensure that there's an alignment between the goals of the senior management and the goals of the shareholder. Sure, sure. Um, you also talked about um, this sector being regulated, and you know there is a and lately it has been under the scanner for mm-hmm. for various reasons. How do you think the sector looks like in the mid to long run for India? Um, Yeah. So from a long term perspective, um, that's actually a a very, very interesting question, uh, because from a long term perspective, there is a vast majority of the people in um, the country today who don't have access to formal financial products and services. So if you think about, uh, you know, the large portion of the country that lives in rural areas where banks are not easily accessible to them. If you think about a certain section of the population that either cannot read at all or is illiterate or um, does not have access to technology so that even fintech uh, type organizations are uh, not accessible to them, that represents a potential uh, for the financial services sector. So whether it is insurance or whether it is just simple payments or whether it is loans or whether it is other banking services, um, the industry needs to work out how they're going to tap this potential. Uh, There's lots of case studies outside the country where that has been done successfully. Um, It's not going to happen overnight, uh, but from a five to 10 year perspective, those organizations um, that are able to tap this sector or to tap the section of of society profitably are the ones that are going to be most successful. And uh, if you speak to any analyst, what they say is that uh, if we can get that combination of regulation and enforcement of regulation, 
as well as corporate governance right with some of the institutions that we have today, there's a very, very uh, good outlook uh, for these organizations. Great. That That's great news, actually, Zaitl. Thank you, Zaitl, for all of those insights. Um, that brings us to the end of this episode of our podcast series, The Salary Hike Stories. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for joining in. Hope you found this useful and insightful. If you liked it, do feel free to share it with your friends and colleagues. If you missed the previous episodes, do check them out on your favorite podcast application. My name is Anustab. Thank you and goodbye.